Hello everyone and welcome to the Property Investment Blueprint Podcast. Imagine being able to earn passive income, build generational wealth, whilst gaining total freedom from your business or job. That is what Property Investment Blueprint Podcast is all about. I am your host, Rahim Ba. In less than five years, I was able to start my property investment journey from zero to building a multi-million pound property investment portfolio that generates passive income that allows my wife and I to quit our jobs. And now I want to show you how to do the same. I will share with you how to create wealth without creating a job. You will learn the exact same investment strategies I use to multiply my net worth to over seven figures all before the age of 30. If you want to learn all about low risk property investing, achieve financial freedom and live the life you truly desire, this podcast is going to show you exactly how to do it. Hello and welcome to Property Investment Blueprint Podcast. On today's Property Investment Blueprint Podcast, I am here with Tai Adetone. A few years ago, Tai quit her job working for the NHS. Um, she defined all odds and started her property investment journey from scratch to building a massive property investment portfolio throughout the UK. And now doing absolutely amazing with a seven-figure property investment portfolio. She is a mother of three and helps scores of property investors to start and scale their property investment journey. I am honored to be your host on the Property Investment Blueprint. And welcome to Property Investment Blueprint, I'm Taya. Good morning and thank you for having me. It's really an honor. I'm actually humbled uh, to be here. I'm actually excited and thank you for having us. Thank you. No problem. You're welcome. Welcome. So um, before we get going, um, uh, Ty, could you kind of take us back from um, where you started? Because I know I've seen you doing lots online. I've seen where you're posting videos. But just to go back a little bit, would you be able to tell us um, a background about yourself and how you really started and get into properties? Right. Um, how, the reason why I actually got into property was... Um, I used to be a cleaner, actually, and used to clean rich people's houses right, okay. when I was in uni uh, for extra income. And I used to go to all these big houses where they would make me clean all these chandeliers. And, uh, and it got me thinking that people actually live big in the UK because my surrounding was a I lived in a council flat and everyone around me was living in the council flat I didn't really know anybody that was rich but I was I would say I was fortunate because that inspired me to go and clean this big houses and this rich people's houses and one of the things that got me into property was I found out that most of them were in real estates. Most of all these people that were living in Chigo, Bokost Hill, and all those uh, nice areas in Essex, because I, I I was living in Essex. And I thought, I, I didn't know that there was houses like that. I, and the first time I ever saw big houses, similar to rich people's houses in Africa, was when I went to clean these people's houses. 
And that got me thinking that real estate, right, okay, property, they were involved in property. At a, Some of them were investment bankers, but they had property and they had real estate. So I knew I, didn't, I wasn't going to be an investment banker. So the alternative and the option, other option was to be a property person. Yeah. And for me, that's where it's really sort of um, started in this country, even though my dad is a property developer in Africa. And I've always been in property or, or uh, around property even all my life because of my dad. But I didn't think it was something possible in the UK. You had to be rich and had a lot of money. So um, my job at the NHS, I worked for the NHS for 10 years. And um, like I said, I had a job that was created for me and sort of created by me in two different departments. And it was a struggle to have people to fill in the gaps when I was off sick or when I was on vacation or uh, I was not there. I was always coming back to the work. And every time we tried to get somebody to come in, it wasn't just working and it, it, it got to a stage where I thought uh, I was irreplaceable. Yeah. But then I went on vacation one day, one year and came back. We had this lovely gentleman uh, that was always very nice to everybody. He was always making tea and coffee for everybody. He, he knows what everybody drinks and all that. And it, it was already part of the um routine in the office that it would make you tea and coffee and when you come to work so i came back on vacation and i was expecting my own uh chocolate drink because i don't drink tea and coffee and i was asking around for him and everybody's face just went it dropped and i couldn't uh, understand what was going on and my manager called me and said come into the interview room. And I thought I was in trouble. I thought I was yeah. e e e for something. But then she said, um, he passed away. Oh, no. Wow. I, I, my heart just dropped. My heart just dropped. I screamed. I shouted. I was hysterical. You probably think I was related to him because he was one of the nicest person I've ever worked with. And, um, and for me, it just dawned on me like this guy had worked for the NHS for 30 years. Wow. I remember just uh, a couple of months before we were doing a celebration for him for serving the NHS for 30 years. And I remember the Queen sent a war clock. It wasn't something fancy, it wasn't, but it was just a wall clock that yeah. was signed by the Queen and a card. And I was like, is that, all, is that it? Yeah. And then this guy worked for the second largest best heart surgeons in the world uh, in this trust. They couldn't save him. Yeah. And all of you in the uh, workplace were carrying on as if he was just on holiday. Yeah. So it meant me thinking I was irreplaceable. Like, right, okay, if, if that was me, they will carry on. Yeah. And that just, the penny dropped for me at that point in time. And I was like, that's it. I can't do this anymore. Already, I was already getting burnt out. I was already getting stressed from work. I was getting a lot of anxiety. 
and I had got to a stage where I'd reduced my hours to maybe three days a, a, a week rather than the five days because it was becoming too much. Yeah. Of, at that time was when the new system of the NHS was uh, being introduced and we were put under a lot of pressure to get it ready. And um, so for me, that was it for me. So on that day, I just packed my, <laughs> I took the box, packed my stuff and left. Wow. Wow. And wow. my manager was like, you cannot just leave. <laughs> you have to give a notice. And I said to him, did the gentleman give a notice? Yeah. Good question. No, he, he didn't give a notice and it's not here. And you, everybody's carrying on. I'm sure you all be fine. But because it was like a shock for me and they thought I, I wasn't, because I took it so badly. I really took it so badly. And for me in my head, like I said, the job I was doing, I thought I was irreplaceable because yeah. every, we were trying to get people to come in and out and nobody was wanted the job. Yeah. And it was the time of agenda for change. And I would never forget this. It was a time of agenda for change where all our job description was being reorganized and our pay was being reorganized. And I felt I was downgraded. Yeah. Lower pay. And I was doing like four or five people's job and I was getting less pay. I was even getting less pay for one person's job. Wow. So that was very demotivating for me and I wanted to get out. Yeah. But as you know, wait, uh, when you come from humble beginnings and you have uh, an income, a salary coming in, you just feel, and that's one of the fears that we, um, of our ethnic minority have, we have that comfort zone of, at least I have something coming in. Yeah. I, a, there's something coming at the end of the month. It doesn't matter how many hours we put in, it will cover our bills. Yeah. But it, I was in so much debt. I was in overdraft. I was unknown. Everything was a vicious cycle. But I knew, I just like, I've had enough. I'm not dying here. And he was one of the most hardworking person I knew, knew. And I knew I was very hardworking. So for me, I would see, it was like, that could have been me. Yeah. Absolutely. Any one of us. And you have to do something. You have to change something. If you don't do something, you if you do nothing, you get nothing. If you do something, you will get something. So I just like, that's it. I'm off. But in the meantime, I had already started dabbling into property. I got a, a, a buy to let. I got, I bought my council flat and a right to buy. I now remortgaged to do a, a, buy, a, a buy to let. And uh, the tenants, oh, good Lord, never will touch tenants, anything to do with tenants again. Yeah. It, that didn't go well. I tried to do flip. I tried to do HMO. So I had already tried all these things, but because I'd already started trying in the background before I left, I felt the confidence of, let me just go for it. Let me try it. Yeah. If, the, if the worst comes to the worst, I'll 
probably go back to uh, go and apply for another job. But yeah. I knew in my heart that if I walked out of that door, I was not going to be doing a nine to five job ever again. Right. I'd always be wanted to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. And that was it. So that started my journey into property. Wow, that's a very emotional mm. um, trigger, epiphany moment for you. Um, that's mm. a, what I, how I would call it, because, you know, you, you touched on something really, really important there. Um, when you realize what your epiphany moment and when that guy passed or when that gentleman passed, then you then you real you thought when you arrived from 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 holiday that I am replay irreplaceable in this job. So I'm adding significant value only to realize five seconds later, the one that was serving you to have worked for the NHS for 30 years has passed. Everything seems to be okay. So for you then you realize, okay, even if this was me, this is what would happen. So I really like how you transfer, you transform that information because I felt something similar to that when I was working as an accountant. Um, I was the fixed asset accountant in my company and uh, I replaced someone who was an accountant who moved, who moved back to Poland. So the role I had, I was the only one who knew the role, right? Mm, I mm. was managing about 240 sites. I thought I was irreplaceable. Mm. So I thought, but I'm adding significant value to the company. Mm. But it started wearing out on me. So when I go on holiday like what you do, nobody knows what I do. Exactly. Right? And I was not being, I was not allowed to take more than two weeks holiday because of that. Yeah. Because whatever has left, whatever I've left, we stay there and we stay there. piled up. By the <laughs> time I got back, I have a mountain to climb. Yeah. Right? And I looked at myself, is this all there is? Mm. You know, and uh, that then started ringing bells. And the worst thing was my manager doesn't appreciate what I do. Oh, thank Company you. doesn't appreciate what I do. In their head, they always got someone who's done better than me, right? Mm. Every, any silly thing I do, the whole floor knows about it. Okay? Oh, it must be. And the funny, the good thing for me, it's like you're telling my story, actually. I I actually had two managers. One was wonderful. One was just the opposite. And I, I thought there was nothing I could do right in one area. And my saving grace that I lasted, ten, the reason why I lasted 10 years was because I had the other amazing um, a man a manager who eventually later on in life became one of my landlords. See, that's it. It's, it's just it, the good you do, and I say this to people, be kind, do unto others as you want done unto you. Yeah. And the good you do would always come back in multiple foods to you. And it, down the line, six years down the line, that good manager approached me to take uh, to manage her property wow and and i'm making good money for her and i'm making money from from that if she had been the other side of the the manager i'm sure she would not even be able to to approach me at all and yeah. i would not be able to solve her problem where at the time she had it so life's too short we should just uh, be the best version of ourselves every time absolutely 
Absolutely. Um, the, the, the same thing for, for me as well. It was the 4th of January, 2016. Oh, and I, I got it must have come in 2016. <laughs> yeah, so um, I got back from, from Africa, freshly got married. I was meant to start the Friday before that day. Um, I, I, I think actually it was it was on the 10th. I was meant to start work um, on the 8th of January. So I couldn't come because obviously I felt ill um, after traveling from, from Africa. And uh, I, I, I didn't go to the office on a Friday. So I arrived on a Thursday. I couldn't go back on the, um, the Friday and um, the office because I was ill. So on Monday, I walked into the office, sat in my desk. I can hear my manager walking towards me so furious so upset i can hear people whispering mm. right i can see people literally looking at me they they know something was going to happen and mm. I, I was feeling something is going to happen right i'm feeling lost lonely i don't understand what was happening okay and then my manager walked towards me and told and, and told me that uh why you are not here on friday i said i sent an email to tell you i couldn't make friday because i was off sick and uh i had I'm cold, I have fever, so I couldn't come to work on Friday. She said, I don't believe you. Um, I like I like to have it proof, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I said, okay, no worries, I get you the proof. The next day I went, I went back home, obviously, that night, took my ticket, my flight ticket, put it in my bag. The next day I showed her the ticket. It shows that I arrived on a Thursday, right? As a proof that I arrived, but I wasn't feeling well. That's the reason why I, why I couldn't go in on Friday. And she said to me, oh, I just wanted to see because i want to make sure but that was my epiphany moment mm. i said i've worked in this company i used to work in the head office in, in london right i come back to the service center in cardiff and i'm the only one who does what i do my manager could not believe me because of the day mm. i said to myself end off yes today, today mm. i'm not gonna work for anybody else one mm. you don't appreciate what i do mm. secondly um anything i do the whole floor will know about it and thirdly, I'm the only one who knows what I'm doing. I've got no one to turn to to help me. To help, yeah. Right? I said for me, end off. I said, I'm off. I'm off. I'm not working for anybody anymore. I burnt all the bridges. I walked up my office since that. I said I would never, ever work for someone. Obviously, that was my epiphany moment. And uh, it was a very difficult situation. As he said, we are trapped into that safety net. Yes. By saying I've got my salary. I've got no matter what, I've got my £2,500 a month. Yeah. Okay. And I can get now. I got my two thousand pounds, one thousand six hundred. You got that security there. That mm. makes you get into that comfort zone, right? Because that was the trap for me, basically. I was thinking, if I left this job, how am I going to replace that? Yeah. So that then, but then when it gets to that level, I know I was born entrepreneur, mm. right? I knew when time comes, I'm going to quit that. But it just happened for me sooner well, than I anticipated. And yeah. obviously I left that then transformed my life. I was able to build my property investment portfolio from zero to building a multi-million pound property investment portfolio. Now we're doing absolutely amazing only because I took that leap of faith to yeah. take me from where I was to where I wanted to go. But yeah, um, the reason why I'm sharing that with you, Ty, because I can see the similarity in there. Oh, of course. Right? And it's just for our audience also to understand that you don't have to work in a place that you don't like. Yeah. There are choices out there. There are opportunities out there. Mm. You just go and just go and look for it. You yeah. know? Search and you can find. Okay. Exactly. But if you don't search, you cannot find it. And if you and if you and if you think being secure is the only thing that would make you grow, it will stagnate you and you end up putting you backwards. So 
And again, I really like the way you've transformed that message to us. And thank you so much. But then what triggers you to do the strategy that you're currently doing? So tell us a bit about what strategies that you're currently predominantly doing and how you get to start to do that. Yeah. Um, one of the things I've always known is I, I'm a grafter. I'm a hustler. Uh, I'll die trying. I, I, I'm a very hardworking person. I give everything into what I'm passionate into it. I, I, for me, um, you have to be uncomfortable to be comfortable. Correct. There's no success in being comfortable. You have to give something. You have to give 150%. And in property, one of the, what it, I came across was, I used to think it was a male domineering uh, um, job or something that was just for uh, yeah. rich male uh, white people. Yeah. And then I started seeing that, right, okay, I can see some people of color, but most of them were male. There really wasn't, it was like this property business in the UK, it was all about the men. Where are the women? Where are the women that you can, that are able to do this business, juggle it with family life, with children, with husband, with job, and multitask because with all due respect men don't know multitask but women we were, we were born women. <laughs> <laughs> women were born as a multitask uh, tasker and we were able to manage that but i could not see a lot of women of my color doing properties so i thought it was something not to be touched yeah. and going into because i didn't have plan b when i left the job it, it was just a a, a, a sport of, of the moment but as much as i don't encourage people to do that it was the fire that was igniting in me that you do not have plan b you yeah. cannot fail in this you have to pull 100 and 50% if you have to put 200% into whatever this property journey, you've decided that you are going to go into property. Because I knew I was not going to work for anybody anymore. I, I, I felt I was unemployable anymore. Yeah. And I didn't want to be employable. So I wanted to be my own boss. I wanted to do my own thing, have that financial freedom, have that lifestyle, have that freedom to spend time with my children. And the only thing I can think of is if property can replace my income. All I wanted to do was just replace my income. If I can double it, it would be a, an icing on the cake. I didn't set out to go and build a multi-million pound portfolio. I didn't. I just wanted to be able to re have that same income or double it. So I started going to, I was a webinar junkie. 
every webinar about property i was in it i, I probably was that that's one thing i've never been late for <laughs> i like that every other thing i'm probably late for in my life but at that time every webinar i was there every youtube i was there every i was consuming so much information but i was not doing anything with this information yeah, you're not taking action basically i was not taking no, any action but those information helped because it started changing my mindset it started making me see how the other side property entrepreneurs what they've achieved what they can achieve and it was just how do you start yeah. so i did courses i did training i did coaching and one thing, and this is why I do mentoring now, one thing that I can attribute to what people call the success now is because I had to find someone that was going to hold my hand through the process. Yeah, I had to find someone that I was prepared to pay for that pay to take me out of that uncomfort a zone mm -hmm. it, it was no longer a comfort zone for me because I was already out of the comfort zone yeah. I was now in an uncomfort zone and I needed someone that had done it that I could resonate with that could now hold my hand and show me and actually walk me to the cliff and ask me to jump and if I'm still panicking I'm having doubt and the fear of jumping on the cliff they're pro prepared to have that confidence in themselves yeah. to push me mm -hmm. to say you off that cliff and say, jump. If you don't jump, you're never going to fly. Jump. And if I refuse to jump or I'm still hesitating to jump, they would have that confidence even in themselves to push me. Because if you have a confidence to push someone off that cliff, it means you've got them. You've got all the safety and it's sorted. You've got everything and you're comfortable that they will fly. Yeah. And the moment I found that person to do that, I knew I'd got this. Yeah. The good thing, because I'm a data person, what I could see in the property strategy of service accommodation that I loved was the fact that I didn't have to deal with tenants. Yeah. I just were if I like uh, when I tried to be a, a, a to deal with tenants, I was becoming an agony aunt. I was becoming a therapist, and and I was like, not this time of my life. I've got issues with myself. I need to sort myself out and I cannot be somebody's. I was not prepared and I didn't have the skills to carry people on my back. Mm -hmm. So I needed somebody to piggyback on. So it was difficult for me to now deal with tenants. And the mm -hmm. moment I got one bad tenant, that was it for me. It had to be a property strategy that did not involve tenants. Right. Okay. And the only thing I could find was property development or service accommodation. Yeah. Property development, I realized that you needed a lot of money to do that. So mm -hmm. that was no chance. There's mm -hmm. no way I could do that. Mm -hmm. And 
service accommodation it, it didn't involve tenants it involved it was an hospitality thing business business and for me i'd been a chambermaid i'd been a cleaner and i thought that was the worst that can happen i've done that on low pay if i'm going to do that and get more pay to replace my income Mm -hmm. I'm ready. I, I'm not ashamed to do that. I, I would do that. And that gave me comfort that I wouldn't have to deal with tenants. Mm -hmm. But the icing on the cake for me was when I found out that you could do what we called rent to rent service accommodation. Yeah. A strategy that I didn't have to buy a property because yeah. I didn't have that money anyway to put down that, uh, any deposit to yeah. buy a property. The only bite letter I had at the time, I, I didn't even know how to use it as service accommodation or whether I could. I had a tenant in there that was trying to get out anyway yeah. that hold me about £10,000. Yeah. So the idea of the rent to rent where I could control another person's property and lease this property and use it for service accommodation, it was music to my eyes. Yeah. It felt like a miracle and the gods that just answered my prayer is just like, <laughs> you know, when you have something weighing down your shoulders and yeah. your heart that you feel like it's a real big burden you're carrying with you and it was just lifted off, that weight was just lifted off and it was dropped and you feel so light. That was the way rent-to-rent -rent service accommodation when I came across it. And I thought it was too good to be true. Yes. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. I felt the same way when I started. When I saw the video about rent-to-rent, -rent, I was like, oh, well, what, what is karma, right? And then I got drilled into it, went to evidence, evidence seminars, webinars. I realized, what well, this is happening. That's how I started myself. But, mm -hmm. yeah, what would you say to someone who's just about to start their property investment journey? Let's say rent-to-service accommodation, because that's what, where you're predominantly focusing. What, what would you say to someone like that who's just started or just about to start their investment journey? Yeah, um, for me, rent-to-rent rent, uh, rent rent HMO or rent-to-rent -rent service accommodation, I think it's the best thing that's ever happened to people to dip their toes or even to get onto the property ladder. I think it's the most brilliant idea, best thing ever that has been created and has opened doors of opportunity for people like me that you're just a nobody you're just a normal person an average block to even smell riches and wealth and the fact that you are able to not swap cash for cash flow mm -hmm. and that's one of the things for me that i loved about this strategy as much as I like, I understand why people are building portfolios and buying properties and uh, for generational wealth and all that. Yeah. I personally, in my own opinion, just feel like that is debt. And I didn't want debt. I didn't want to be paying service in the bank with interest. 
And I wanted something as well that would resonate with me where I can be free of debt and I don't have to pay anybody interest. For me buying properties, even when you're buying in uh, building a portfolio, it was more of the bank still owns all this property. You're just paying the interest. You are actually leveraging on the bank's money, but you're paying mostly the interest. Okay. I didn't want to do that. I wanted something that will resonate with me as financial freedom. Yeah. For me, that made a difference. The financial freedom, what financial freedom it meant to me was being free and the money i have is mine the money i it, it, that money gives me the freedom to do whatever i want to do without the fear of oh if i don't pay the mortgage the bank and take the uh, property eh, and all the money that i have paid it eh, is gone if anything life happens challenges happens in life and I didn't want to be in that position of fear anymore. I wanted to be free, not with my time, with what I do with my time, with my life and my lifestyle and around my family. I didn't want to be caged into, because I want to build a portfolio, which the debts are accumulating. I didn't want that. Right. So when I came across I didn't have to borrow and beg and do to get to put money down for a deposit to buy one property. That it's still debt for me, even though I put all my life savings down to acquire that property, but um still the the bank's tenant, because the bank is still the landlord until that property is paid off. I wanted to do something different that it would not be, I am still caged and everything is still relying on, on the banks or having to pay interest and all that. So swapping cash for cash flow was like a no-no for me. If I can use that one, that lump sum of money, if I had that, which I didn't have at the time, and I could spread it to control other people's property, people that want that don't mind taking the debt on and they don't mind building the portfolio and all that, I can leverage on that because they would have been giving it to tenants on smaller return. If I can give them bigger return and guarantee their rent and with because I pay above market rate. That's a win-win situation for both of us. They're happy to take the debt on. I don't want to take the debt on. They're happy for a rent guarantee, but I'm offering them more for their money. So we're both winning. Right. And as long as everybody is winning, yeah. whichever side of you stay, or whichever yeah. side you are. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That 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 that's a great way of 
of giving us reason why you do service accommodation or rental service accommodation. So what are the advice you would give someone then who wants to start? What is that really pinnacle thing you can tell them to, to help them start the property um, rental service accommodation? Right. Um, sorry, I didn't answer that properly. I think when you want to start, it would depend on where you are in in life. Yeah. At what stage you are in life. For me, I'm 50 years old. Yeah. If I know what I know here now, 20 years ago, I would probably do property invest investment differently. So wherever you are at as an individual is the first thing I always say to my students, you need to understand where you are at and what kind of income you want to get out of it. The reason yeah. why you even want to do it, you want to replace your, your salary or income, or you want to leave your job or you want to supplement your job or you want it as an extra income or you want to build a portfolio or you want to build a brand from it because then the strategy you're going to use is going to be different. And that's the, the difference between rent-to-rent -rent service accommodation that is different to rent-to-rent -rent HMO. Rent-to-rent -rent service accommodation gives you to start from the lowest to the middle or to the highest level. You can start from anywhere, but depending on your personality, depending on the available resources you've got, depending on your tenacity, depending on what you want to put into it. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have a lot of money, it's the best thing to try mm -hmm. because in service accommodation, even rent-to-rent -rent service accommodation, there are almost like five, six other business in it that yeah. you can do. So if someone said to me they didn't have money, you can actually go and start a, a cleaning business mm -hmm. out of it, a linen business out of it, mm -hmm. a sourcing business out of it, yeah. an operations business out of it, a maintenance yeah. business out of it, which doesn't really need a lot of money to start. Correct. And then you can actually, if you know you want to go bigger, or big later, start with those things that don't really need a lot of money to start and build that cash up now to start big. You don't have to start with taking a property immediately if you don't have the resources. Mm -hmm. And that's the beauty of this uh, strategy. You can start with no money by sourcing properties if you have the time, learn it, but education educate yourself empower yourself if you don't in this business it will come back to haunt you yeah absolutely yeah thanks very much for that that was really really empowering you are mother of three amazing children so how were you able to scale your business to the next level because i know um uh, looking after children i know they might not be that young but how were you able to juggle it and scale your property business to the next level you see, for me, um, what uh, generational wealth means to, to me, it's not handing money down to the kids. Yeah. It's 
actually handing the knowledge of how to manage money and the knowledge of how this business that your parents has made successful that could that could give you a better life to not even have to work a day in your life yeah. understanding how to do it because if you aren't over that portfolio or money or property to this new generation they probably would not know how to even handle it if they have challenges yeah. and you would not be there anymore to correct it for them so for me with my children when i started property they started property we started together yeah the moment i got my first property we went to stage together we went to clean together we went to so if they grew all with me in the business for that six years yeah. to understand the business and to know all the hard work I have put into it. So it has been a, a teamwork of success. I've just been the face of it behind the scene. They were working together with me. And that's, they understand the bit they wanted to do and the ones they didn't want to do. Yeah. The ones that probably was easier for them and the ones like, oh God, the amount of times mom is changing stuff. The amount of time mom is moving beds, the amount of time she's doing different layouts. We just did one two months ago, three months ago. Why are you changing it again? <laughs> but getting to understand the reason why, because there's seasons in this business. And every time I see people doing the same thing they've done a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, and saying, oh, the bookings are drying out. You're doing the same thing three years ago. Booking.com is not doing the same thing three years ago anymore. They're not even doing the same thing three months ago. Mm -hmm. So it's a business with seasons and time, and you have to keep moving. And there's so many moving parts around it that involves around it that you need to be on your toes and be it. It's with everything like change. If you don't want to change, you are not going to move. You're yeah. not going to grow. Yeah. Change is one of the most important thing that I talk about that you must be prepared to change. If you want your situation to, to improve, you have to change something. Yeah. You cannot be doing the same thing and expecting different results. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks very much for answering that. So I know I've been seeing online you having 10K um, revenues, 15K revenues, sometimes even and 20K revenue. So where, where mostly do you drive your revenue from? Which platforms do you kind of use predominantly for you to drive these sort of bookings? The reason why they call me the queen of booking.com is because booking.com is where the money is. Yeah. Uh, and I say this with all, with confidence. Booking.com is where the money is in this business. Yeah. It's the it's the platform that will change your life. At least it is what it, that has changed my life. It's the difference between a and let me put it into perspective because I work with analytics and data. 
Booking.com, for example, let's look at Airbnb and the reason why I really don't use Airbnb. Airbnb, I look, there's a database I look at to see where the traffic is coming from. And this database tells you the amount of people, the figures, the real life true figures of traffic that is being on each platform. And you have millions on Airbnb. You have millions on Expedia. You have millions on TripAdvisor and all that. And then you have billions on Booking.com. When we're talking of six figures and seven figures, they are a, there's a lot of difference. And when you have seven figures traffic, and the good thing I love about Booking.com is it segments and drive the traffic based on the guest behavior, the guest habits, they collect data. And if you know how to use their data, you will thrive. And that's why for me, they, those figures come from booking.com and our strategy that we call the stupid bookings strategy. And the reason why we call it stupid bookings is like you just like they're just mouth watering, they're just like mind blowing figures, and you just wonder like how many properties is that? And it's just one property. But the strategy we do is what we call heads on beds, and um, being able to find the people that would need an alternative to hotel. Yeah. where they would have needed a two room or three rooms or multiple rooms in a hotel. And then we can actually put them in one space, but give them extra facilities that they do not have in a hotel. Yeah. But when they split the bill, it becomes cheaper for the guests, but it becomes big money for us. So everybody is winning. Yeah. My guests are winning. They might be paying 10K, but when they split the bill, it's actually nothing. They're saving a, a lot of money. I've literally like saved them a lot of money for that 10K. But to me, it's big money. So it's still a win-win situation for both parties. And the only platform I know, because I've tested every platform, that would give you those crazy figures is Booking.com. Yeah. I do relate to that as well. So I would say probably 90% of our bookings comes from booking.com. So, and uh, I tend to have better relationship with the booking booking.com guests compared mm -hmm. to Airbnb guests as well. So I, I understand that. That makes absolute sense. What advice do you have for females? I know we touched on this when we started. What advice do you have to female who are thinking about investing in property that they think, they're, they're thinking of investing, but they think property or service accommodation is a male-dominated business. Mm. Yeah. You know what I say to all the females? Show me a male that is the king of booking.com. We don't have any. Yeah. We don't have a king of service accommodation, but we have the queens. <laughs> I like that. We have the queens. And the, and the reason why that's females should get into this business because I think it's what is most suitable for us, really. 
Yeah. It's it, it's literally the only strategy I think I personally can suggest for female uh, the females to do rent to rent service accommodation because when you look at it, 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 it the part of decorating and staging that's our thing. Mm-hmm. We've got eyes for decoration. We've got eyes for staging and putting things together. Mm-hmm. We can actually understand a, a family a, a layout, what would entice them more than the male counterpart. If yeah. it comes to the contractors, we can relate with them. It, we can multitask. And it's the only strategy I think, in my own opinion, that is much more easier for for even the women to do than the male. Yeah, because okay. there's a lot of systems there. You can use a lot of systems and outsource. For example, I do. For the life of me, I lost keys so badly. I do not do well with keys. So I actually do not do anything with keys in my um, service accommodation business anymore. Wow, okay. Wow, so okay. The okay. females should get into it. It would, um, it's not, it, it, it's not, um, you know, with properties, when we think it's a male domineering thing, it's not that heavy is more subtle because mm-hmm. it's th- that hospitality. Mm-hmm. So I, for me, I, in my own opinion, I think um, it would suit most females more than even male. Even when I see males doing service accommodation, I'm like, what are you doing in our territory? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. Your uh, enthusiasm and your energy is what draws me to you when I saw you online. Um, what really keeps you going without losing your enthusiasm? You see, um, one of the things this business has done for me is it has taught me a lot of patience. Yeah. I didn't have um, years back. It has taught me uh, humility and um one of my best uh, saying is that people probably would know about me is I'm always saying gratitude is my food. Mm-hmm. Gratitude is my attitude. And that gratitude, when you put gratitude first, it drives that enthusiasm. It drives that passion. It drives that keep going because mm-hmm. you you're coming from I certainly never, I dreamt or I dream of better life. Yeah. But I, I, I didn't even think this was possible. Yeah. I had to get to a stage where I got to my dream. Yeah. And I could still feel like, I was feeling choked that there's still space to breathe. Yeah still more out there and the moment you break that glass ceiling off yeah you can actually see wow there's so much space mm-hmm. and i keep saying to people 
the demand is more than supply. There's so much and enough for everybody. Yeah. There's so much and enough for everybody. And gratitude, it, it, it would it would ground you. It would keep you going. And for me, that's that's what it was all about. Being Fantastic. able to pay off your debt and be free and going to a shop and not having to even look at the price yeah. of things it, it it humbles you yeah absolutely I, I i i relate to that big time so you you we talked about hard time um earlier on i am definitely inspired by by someone who overcome hard time do you mind sharing a time or event that was really really hard time for you and how you overcame it covid okay yeah i think with everyone um for covid it was a very tough time mm -hmm. very stressful time it was a very but for me it was different um covid put things into perspective for me and this is where it changed my mindset of building swapping cash for cash flow yeah. it changed my mindset of buying properties okay yeah. it changed my mindset of you need to live life yeah. and not just accumulating so much wealth because at the end of the day, I I've never seen anyone that any of their properties portfolio was taken with them in their grave yeah. and seeing people dying from something that was out of control of everybody yeah for me covid the first three months was a resting period it was like it, it was at see covid I, I was excited when covid started for the first three months i know this sounds crazy but it it, it put the brakes on for me like you need to stop mm -hmm. you need to stop rest and look after yourself because yeah. I was going, 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 going. You need to stop, rest and look after yourself yeah. because I've come across a lot of my clients in service accommodation that they have so much money and they had bad health. Yeah. And for me, that put things into perspective, like mm, if all this debt, debt, mortgages, mortgages, there's still debt mm -hmm. and stress triggers so much. Mm -hmm. And I became at peace with myself when I was not, I was resting and I was taking things slowly. Mm -hmm. 
And that was the positive I took out of COVID because it gave me a, a grounding way of looking at health yeah. more than wealth. Yeah. And trying to now balance it where spend quality time more rather than running around and rushing around and keep going and building all this a, 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 a portfolio. Mm-hmm. And now, where if this happened, you could lose everything that you'd worked for. Yeah. And when I had to give back some properties during COVID, I probably gave back about 10 properties out of my portfolio. And as much as I... I, I don't have any sentiments or emotions to properties. And that was a, a, an advantage for me. It was just a vehicle to make money. Yeah. So giving them back, some of them were a lifesaver for me because I'd worked with this landlord for six years. Yeah. And I didn't want to be the one to actually pull the plug on them. Yeah. But when they were asking for their property back, I gladly gave it to them. And it was yeah. a relief. It, the, the amount of stress that took away from me, because I thought I was going to go into depression. Yeah. With all these bills, because I had a commitment to all my landlords that I was going to guarantee their rent and I was going to pay it. Yeah. Perspective of what? We make all those promises without thinking anything like COVID could happen. Yeah. So th- that was probably one of my most challenging in the business. Yeah. That was one of the, my most challenging. But being able to come out of it as well. Yeah. And the only reason why I was able to come out of it in a better way was because of the strategy of the stupid bookings I was doing. My strategy was not based on occupancy. It was based on the high returns. Yeah. And the high returns saved me. Mm-hmm. Wow. Rather than the occupancy. Wow. Wow. Yeah, good. Good point. Good point. I really like that. Last main question before we get to the quick fire round question. In the property investment world, businesses, social media, and, and society, we see first-hand problems of overwhelm. So many social media channels, everything getting thrown at you. Mm. You see people buying houses, expensive cars, sharing lavish life online, buying um, things left, right, and center. And uh, how how do you <clears throat> deal with overwhelms? Because you manage so many things and you got social media getting thrown at you. Um, how can people get rid of overwhelm and stay focused? Gratitude. Okay, good. I like that. Gratitude. And um, self-discipline. Okay, yeah. Uh, as much as we need to put things into perspective, mm-hmm. and that's why I said, if anything that's come out of COVID, if any people don't learn anything from COVID situation, they probably not never learn anything yeah. in life again. Mm-hmm. That was a life lesson for everybody. 
And if we get drawn into social media, the lifestyle everywhere, I always say to people, there's three situations how how you can view it. You can take the negative or the positive. I look at them, I look at social media as an inspiration, as Mm -hmm. a motivation, as an achievement. Mm-hmm. and blessings and hard work of some people yeah. they've done it if they're actually showing their success out there if i was not on social media if i was not say telling my story of i was not documenting my story or i wasn't showing my stupid booking you would not find me today we yeah. would not be speaking yeah so you can take whatever you want to take from it you can actually feel like oh they're just bragging and they're just boasting and they're just showing off and then yeah that's your perspective but if you're coming from a point of for me my vision and goal in life now is as many people as i can that i can drag out of poverty wow that's good i like that i like that so quick fire round question very brief maybe one word or two um on this quick round questions um what is the worst advice you remember receiving? Don't do service accommodation. Best advice you remember receiving? Believe in yourself because you can do anything. Fantastic. Who is your favorite sports star if you're into sport? Nadal. Rafael Nadal, okay. Looking back at your 18 year self, what would you have done differently? This is a funny one. I would, and I was speaking to my dad yesterday about it. Yeah. The organized manager. Reading a book called The Unorganized Manager. Yeah. Because you talked about being overwhelmed. And I remember at that age, my dad gave me a book uh, to read and he was trying to explain to me, if you become so unorganized, you will be, the whole summary of it was, if you become so unorganized, you will be overwhelmed with everything in life. And I found that when I'm so unorganized, is when I feel overwhelmed. The moment you can balance and organize yourself and organize your life, you will feel less overwhelmed. Fantastic. What was your inspiration growing up? Two people, my dad and my aunt. Oh, brilliant, bless them. Is there something you believe that lots of people disagree with you? Oh, yes. In the business? In anything. doesn't matter. Um, yeah, a lot of people do disagree with me about this not buying houses and leasing, controlling other people's property yeah. and um, generational wealth, what generational wealth means of not just handing over wealth to children, but passing on knowledge instead of 
just handing over money to them. Wow, that's good. What is the best book or audio book you've ever read or listened to? Funny enough, I'm not a book person. Yeah, okay. And this is why when I do uh, coaching and mentoring, I don't do slides. Mm -hmm. Because if you gave me a book to read, I probably do better with audibles than audios. Yeah. Not, I get so easily bored. I've got a short span of attention. Yeah. I actually, I'm a doer. I don't dwell on things. I don't have the patience to read through things to figure it out. Let's yeah. get on with it. I'm a practical person. What is it that we need to do? Let's get on on field. Let's get it done. Let's let's do it. Yeah. So I'm how how, how about audio books then? Audible audio books. Which 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 audio book is the best audio book you've listened to? If you've if you've had time to listen to it, obviously. Don't have time for that. Okay, brilliant. Uh, is there something you used to strongly believe you recently changed your mind on? Hmm. It doesn't have to be properties, basic. It could be anything. So it's a nice, good question, huh? It is. It is. And it's powerful. It's powerful. Um... That's that, that's uh, that's that's one thing I've not actually thought of in a long time. Okay, we can pass on it. I would look into that. That's right. a good question. Is there something in the world you fundamentally think is wrong, and you would like to change? There is segregation between the rich and the poor. Right, okay. The, the gap between the rich and the poor and taxes. Okay, good. Thank you. This podcast is called Property Investment Blueprint. What does Property Investment Blueprint mean to you? Investing in yourself empowering other people mm -hmm. helping and supporting others to get onto the property investment and if we can do it anyone can do it fantastic thank you for that final one right if there was only one person in the property world you'd love me to interview who would that person be and why Ooh, um, in the property investment world. Or say business, you know, whoever that we can kind of interview to inspire um, our audiences. If you probably interviewed most of the ones I would have named. Yeah, okay. Um, I, I, I think you probably have interviewed most of the ones I would have named, actually. Okay. And they've been good interviews. Oh, fantastic. Thank you. So thank you for that. Um, what an amazing way to end the um uh, the this special moment with you. Thank you so much for actually being with us in the Property Investment Podcast. 
And uh, just before you go, Ty, where should we follow you and where are you hanging out in, in um, social media and what service services do you provide to um, to um, property investors? Oh, thank you for that. Um, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, I'm on um, YouTube now, Clubhouse. I'm not really into social media actively I'm looking into um I don't go on social media if I don't have anything to say yeah. <laughs> or any value to add uh, or any way to inspire or it has to be for a purpose uh, and I'm trying now to get better but one of the things I do that I am gladly proud of is uh mentoring people yeah. I, I enjoy it and seeing people's success and seeing how people come from zero to um, six, seven figures. And amazingly, some students are doing better than I am doing. They're just Great. not putting themselves out there. And honestly, yeah. I say that. And what I always say, which we discuss, is if you don't document, if you don't put yourself out, you how do you inspire people how do you empower people how do you encourage people how do you even give people hope that it is possible it is because myself and yourself are putting ourselves out there that people that can relate to us that, that can relate to our stories that can relate to our uh, uh, humble beginnings and can relate to our success feel like wow if they can do it if i try i can do it and that is us empowering people and yeah. for me, it's holding people's hand through the process, mm -hmm. taking them away from the fear of the, it's not possible, it's not for us, it's not, I don't have the money, and showing them there's a lot of money out there. You just, yeah. and there's a lot of opportunities out there. You just need to go out, get out of your comfort zone, get empowered, get that knowledge. Look for someone to mentor you. Mentoring is very, very important when you're going into property business. I think it's underrated. Yeah. It, it, and that's why we are still lacking behind mm -hmm. because most ethnic minorities do not take advantage of that. Mm -hmm. And that's what we need. That's what we understand. That's what gets us going. We can go on so many courses and not take action that can do so many trainings and not do, uh, take action but get someone that can help you and hold your hand through and show you how it's done thank that you. way you will probably get there quicker. yeah thank you so um what was your name on facebook then how can someone search for you on, on facebook do you have a specific tagline yeah. or Yes, I've got um, Queen of Stupid Bookings and I've got Ty Aditano if you want to follow me on social media. And um, we have www.stupidbookings.co.uk. You can come for one of our bootcamp to learn about how service accommodation is. Even if you don't want mentoring, just come and learn about what booking um, service accommodation, rent-to-rent -rent service accommodation is all about. Because when you get that foundation right, and you understand the, the structure and the processes out there and all that it is. Because it's not one box fits all in service accommodation, as you know. Yeah. We, we sort of let people know the foundation. Because what I say to people is this business is like you buying a land. 
you want to build a, something a, on top of a land. You need to identify whether it's a good land. You need to now identify what depth of that foundation because there's no point wanting to build a skyscraper and you build a foundation for just a bungalow. It's not going to, the cracks are going to show. And if you want a bungalow, there's no point wasting money to go deep down for 10-story building. So it's getting the right balance and getting that foundation right. Anyone can take a property and stick it on Airbnb, but not everyone can actually get the stupid bookings. Fantastic. I like the way you went there. They have, these have been absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your, your life passion with us. I love you, sis. You've been doing absolutely amazing. Um, I keep watching. I'm, I'm literally following you and I will definitely will keep in touch. And uh, yeah, have a wonderful day. Thank you for being in the Property Investment Podcast. It's been an honor. Thank you so much. I'm highly grateful. Thank you. Thank you. That's all for today. And thanks to our guests for sharing their property investment journey with us. It has been a truly inspirational story to me. And I hope it has been an inspiration to you too, to take a leap of faith to start or scale your property investment adventure. In the meantime, if you'd like to share your investment journey, I have made it really easy. Just go to rahimba.com forward slash guest. Fill out a short questionnaire to sign up and we will get in touch. Whilst you're there, sign up for my monthly newsletter to get your property investment news and updates or connect with me in Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Rahimba and TikTok, Rahimba 101. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to smash the like button and leave me a review wherever you're listening or watching from. I shall see you next time.